Happy Monday. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. And welcome into episode nine of the Tar Devils Podcast. My name is Tyler Rosieri, the always objective Duke fan in this duo, talking with my good friend, John Bowman. Oh, oh, wait. I'm just staring at a blank screen right now. John Bowman is not here for this episode. It is just me, solo dolo. I decided to, unfortunately, get on the podcast and have to talk Duke basketball after this week, after Duke just went 0-2 and UNC went 2-0. So a good week for the Tar Heel fans. I am terming this show the Tyler Rosary Show. For those that have grown up with me, it's a running joke we have. In middle school basketball, I play point guard, but always wanted to score. And so when anything went bad, our coach would always yell at me and say, this is not the Tyler Rosary show, pass the ball. And one time in the locker room, we were down at halftime. And before our coach left, he said, I don't know how many times we have to say it. Tyler, this is not the Tyler Rosary show and walked out. And I looked around and said, I haven't even played yet. So that became a running joke. And 10 years later, I could say this is the Tyler Rosary show. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about UNC, um, a good week for UNC unfortunately, and then mostly talk about Duke and um, touch on Coach K making headlines once again, not for the right reasons. Um, And then we have a special guest, guest number two on the show, Aaron Spivey. He was a member of the Wake Forest basketball team during the 2016 through 2019 basketball seasons. And then I'll end always with um, discussing some of the big games from last week and reviewing some of the upcoming big matchups um, for next week. So let's get started with UNC. An impressive week. They started, they played Wake Forest and won 80 to 73, pulled, again, pulled away again late, which UNC has done quite a bit this year is, is closed games, which is pretty impressive. Something that I would not consider typical for a Roy Williams coach team. And then Saturday, UNC beat rival NC State 86 to 76 and got revenge. State beat them the first time in a close matchup as well. The big thing this week from kind of out of nowhere is the emergence of Caleb Love dropping 20 points against Wake Forest on 7 of 12 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3. I think his his play was pretty immeasurable for this team. And then against NC State, he went 6 of 15 from the field, had another 15 points, 5 assists. 5 turnovers is not good, but the emergence of Caleb Love has really helped this team, I think. And this UNC team is finally starting to piece together and demonstrate the potential that we all thought they could have before the season started and after the first game. That's I remember the first episode, I thought this team would be very good. They just have been very slow at reaching what I thought would be their potential. But now a lot of the guards are playing well at the same time that the bigs are playing well, which really hasn't happened much this season. Um, The turnovers are being cut down, 13 turnovers against NC State, 12 against Wake Forest. It's not the best numbers, but it's also not the 17 to 20 turnovers that we were seeing early in the season. But I think most notable is for this team is how much the how good the defense looks right now. NC State was hounded the entire game and it just looked like they were completely outclassed on, on the end of the floor. So UNC a great week. Maybe not against the best competition. Wake Forest is now zero and six in conference. State just dropped a two and four. Still, UNC did what they needed to do. 
Um, and they won a couple of big games. I think they're five and one in their last six games in conference, five and three overall um, in conference. So a, a very big, big week for them. I think they only play one game next week um, against Pittsburgh, which leads me in to Duke. Unfortunately, I have to come on here and talk about Duke. I was ready to retire from podcasting after this week as I was sulking in bed after another 0-2 week and three straight games dropped for Duke. No big win, no spark, unfortunately. And that's three games where it's been close late and Duke has been unable to close. So I'll be honest, I get on Roy for this all the time and now Coach K team is not closing games at all. And the reality is you lose three in a row and the panic button has been hit. Looks like this team is destined for the NIT if they make that. Because I look at the remaining schedule and I see a bunch of loss. Georgia Tech on this next Tuesday, I mean, everyone on this show knows how I feel about Georgia Tech. I think they're a very good team, a sleeper from the beginning. They just, UVA is now 6 0 in conference. Georgia Tech lost by two points against UVA this last week when missing a potential game winning shot. So, Georgia Tech is very good. I think they beat Duke. There's Clemson remaining on the schedule. UNC twice. UVA, Louisville again. Georgia Tech again. These are going to be tough games, and Duke needs to figure it out quick, which I don't think they can because halfway through the season, the lineup is still being adjusted every game. And one emerging issue now is with Jalen Johnson back. He and Matthew Hurt are the best players, but when one plays well, the other doesn't. And that can't happen halfway through the season. And now against Pittsburgh, Jalen Johnson seems like the man had an amazing performance, but Matthew Hurt has one of his worst games of the season and Duke loses. And then you flip-flop that against Louisville. Matt Hurt went unconscious, 24 points, eight rebounds, four or five from three, nine to 13 from the floor. He killed it. And then Jalen Johnson has nine points, six turnovers against Louisville in that same game. So Duke is going to need their two best players and Jalen Johnson and Matthew Hurt to play well at the same time going forward in almost every game. Because as those two have played or, or have gotten more minutes together, Wendell Moore has also played better, but now Jeremy Roach, zero points in the last game, 0 of 3 from the floor. DJ Stewart, who I really do like, he, he is not the sniper that he needs to be. We, Duke needs him to put up Quinn Cook-type stats from shooting the three-point line. He needs to be shooting in mid-40s for his team to have any chance. But he keeps putting up games where he's going two of six, two of seven from three. He missed the wide open three at the top of the key that would have sent this last game against against Louisville to overtime. And for a team that does doesn't have any interior presence, there's no big man you can rely on. Just throw it in. Matthew Hurts not you know a post player. He's gonna take fadeaway jumpers. If he makes it, you can't guard it. If he misses, it looks ugly. But for this team not to have any interior presence, you have to be able to shoot the ball at a very high clip, and Duke can't. You can't shoot 30% when you're shooting 25, 33s and expect to win the game. And against Louisville, Duke shot 32%, 8 of 25 from the floor. I know against Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh, they were equally as bad. And that's the, I mean, to me, I think that's what it boils down to. If you're going to be a small team with no interior presence, you can't work high-low, this team also can't get to the free throw line at all. Not surprising because the guards are pretty small, but 
you have to be able to knock down the threes, especially when they're open. Duke gets so many open threes, and they just they blow them every time. And so going forward, Duke needs Jalen Johnson, Matthew Hart to both play well, and they need to make the open three, or else this, this season's not going to get turned around. Three losses in a row does not look good. Panic button has been hit. And then after the Louisville game, Coach K makes headlines once again. A student reporter asked Coach K, what does uh, Duke need to do going forward? And Coach K responded, kind of chastising him, saying, we just caught out of a tough loss. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, but we're not looking to go forward yet. We're just, like, um, thinking about the loss right now. And then asked the reporter, what's your major? What's your major? Imagine taking – the reporter answered econ – so imagine taking the hardest econ exam. You walk out of the class and immediately after um, someone asks you, okay, what are you doing next? You see what I mean? So Coach K got a lot of criticism for this on Twitter, um, kind of in the media in general. A lot of famous people actually coming out. Baron Davis said some choice words or had some choice words for him as well. And I just want to say this. They're absolutely right. Coach K did not act properly in this post-game conference. I think that's a fair question. What does Duke need to do going forward? This is the middle of the season. The team has lost three in a row. Close games, I may add, which I've questioned Coach K's um, substitutions this game. I don't know why Patrick DePay would ever see minutes. He played heavy minutes against Pittsburgh. Henry Coleman's playing. That's okay with me too. But I've questioned some of the decisions, and Duke is losing close games, which a lot of times comes down to coaching. And then a simple question, what does Duke need to do going forward? And Coach K explodes. It's not like this is the end of March Madness and there's an offseason now and you're just taking in the whole season and reflecting on it. No, this is the middle of the season. You need to know what you're doing forward. That's your job as the coach. How are you going to get it turned around? What do you need to see the team do? And I think that's a very fair question. And Coach K to respond the way he did, I thought, was inappropriate and He's kind of, I think, is deserving of all the criticism he has gotten. Um, hopefully, he sees a lot of the criticism and apologizes to the reporter. I doubt that will happen, but I would like to see it. And hopefully, he gets this team turned around in the end. I am tired of staying up to watch these games and sulking in bed afterwards, dreading having to come on the podcast because of another loss. The team is five and five. Probably the worst season picked to start the podcast, if you're a Duke fan, especially for me. But um, we'll see going forward if things change. You know, even in a lost season, you still can beat UNC. That's the only thing that matters. And if this team goes to NIT but beats UNC twice, guess what? You can make all the jokes you want if you're a Tar Heel fan. If you get swept by Duke, that's all I'm going to talk about. So still some things to look up to. Um, I'm going to jump into this next segment with Aaron Spivey. So, Aaron, welcome. Okay, we have a very distinguished guest with us today, our second guest ever, my friend Aaron Spivey and old college roommate Aaron Spivey. He was a member of the Wake Forest basketball team for three years, I believe the 2016 through 2019 basketball seasons, team captain his senior year. Chances are, if you're listening, you are a better shooter than him. Aaron, welcome. (laughs) 
Thanks, Tyler. I appreciate the the nice sentiment, and there's no chance. No chance. I'm not going to Always have been. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll pull up tape of Glad a quick reload. Here. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Segment went in. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Aaron, you used to be my college roommate. This was a fun dynamic as from day one that I met you my freshman year, I still told everyone I was a big Duke fan. And obviously, you being on the team, this created yeah. some fun. Shouts out to our other roommate, Brendan Dwyer, still <laughs> the biggest Duke fan I've ever met. Shouts out to Brendan. But anyway, oh, yeah. our sophomore year, I just want to, to go over a funny story. Um, you had obviously just joined the team 2016 season. This is when we had – or Wake Forest had John Collins. Team was pretty good. Duke had yeah. Luke Kennard. And there was a very tight game in Winston-Salem that went down. Do you want to go over that? You know what story oh, I'm talking about. Do you want to talk about that? I do. I do. I do. So we have been preparing for Duke, obviously, all week. Um, the scouting report when we play Duke is, is pretty easy. It's just um, and they're going to try to take you. So one-on-one, they're just going to say their man's better than us. And we had competed that entire night. The Joel was pretty packed because we had, we had JC. So we had that packed in a long time. We were up three or four pretty consistently towards the final stretch of the second half. And, uh, and for, Luke Kennard was just killing it that second half. I don't think he missed. I think he went for about 20 in the second half. And it was just all butter. Just He was just smooth. He just, <laughs> he, he just knew that he, was, that he was the best player on the court for that night. And Grayson Allen hit a three. And we were like, no, which cut it to, I think, one or two. And so we're all like just over there, like our hearts are, are just racing. The gym is like deafening, like silent because we didn't know what was about to happen. Because we we're kind of known for blowing games in the light at the very end, just from not, uh, just for lack of maturity, really. Um, but then Luke Kennard hit this ridiculous three-pointer, put them up, and the the whole entire air from the gym just went out, went through all the doors, and it it was so heartbreaking because we were right there. Um, obviously, it would have been huge for the program for Manning. Just for the school to have a big win like that against uh, against Duke, and we couldn't pull it out, and it's, it still sucks to this day. Do you remember when you texted me? Man. Oh, what I what I say? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think, I'm probably trying to push out of my memory. I had um, so I think I'd watched the game in my room. I didn't go. All of our roommates and all of our friends had gone to the Joel Coliseum to watch the game. I stayed in my room because if Duke lost, I was in trouble. And so I could not be, yeah, I could not be. You were going to hear it from me. Yeah. So I think after that, I probably went home as, you know, in the middle of my million knee surgeries. So I had to go home or something for a um, rehab or something. But I wasn't, so I, I think I was driving for a while. I had to check my phone. I check it like a couple hours after the game or something like that. And I see a text from you and then all it says is, don't be in the room when I get back, period. <laughs> oh, that is what I said. I, that's, <laughs> I like, that's word for word what I said. Yes, I always I was, remember I that. I was so heated. I was <laughs> so heated. I, I think the last five minutes of the game, I was like, oh my God, I'm about to Tyler a new one this entire time. And then Luke and all hits that shot. And then like all of my, all of my hopes and dreams of destroying your life just kind of crumbled. So I was like, dude, don't be there when I get back. Do not be there when I get back. I think you later told me um, when you had the shot, you just could, like, picture me cheering my ass off, and you just, like, were getting infuriated, and you were ready to fight. <laughs> that's, that's what was going through my head. It was Tyler, this is making Tyler so happy. Uh, 
a great day. That's the last thing I wanted to be to be happy. So, jeez. <laughs> well, who knew that five years down the line, Man. you would have a chance to talk Duke basketball after they're on a three-game losing streak. So, you know, sometimes it comes back. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It, it makes it a little bit better to see them doing bad. But, yeah. hey. <laughs> um, I know you watched a bit of the Duke Pitt game. You texted me about yeah. Justin Champagne. What are your thoughts on that game? Him and Jalen Johnson had a good battle going on. They did. I think they had a, a really good battle. I was I was really impressed with Champagne's just his shot making ability. I think Duke went zone a lot, and he was in the middle of the zone just eating it up, uh, just because he could just hit, he could hit make him space out hit the shots. But what really impressed me about Champagne, which I didn't know about, was his just his defense. Like he was a pretty formidable opponent, five blocks, and he's like what six six. He like he was he was a presence on both sides of the court, and it it he he looked like a pro out there. And, and then you look at Jalen Johnson, same thing. He just did it a different way. He had a monster second half on all fronts. If you look at his second half stats, it should have been like his full half stats because he just played such so uh, so well the second half. I think just good win for Capel, obviously. Um, they're happy for him, but it was, it was a really good game. Yep. Yeah, it was a good game. Okay, I want to ask really – um, game. or get into some of, you know, your experience in the ACC and what do you think COVID would be like. So, for I, I think for your teams, in particular your first year on the team, those non-conference games, those were like key tune-up games to get that team chemistry going and really help you guys down the line. That year you guys made the tournament, actually. So – you know, how do you think the, the, this season with COVID protocols, how would that affect, you know, your team? Games, exhibition games, those are games you're supposed to come in and really everybody's supposed to play, uh, supposed to build camaraderie, um, make you make little and goes for a double-double. You just feel good. You're, you're practicing against, like your first time practicing against somebody else in a different color jersey, but it's actually kind of a real game. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, those tune-up games are very important. But I think about, like, all the meals we have as, as a team, all the, the bonding and stuff that goes on just in college, off the court. Not to mention, like, I think about Wake, obviously. I, I love Wake basketball. And they've missed so many practices this year. They have a young team, new coach. And it's just – and that's – obviously, that's a tale for many of the teams across the country. So, it, it's really having a huge effect. Yep. Huge. Especially on those blue teams. Yeah. UNC, Kentucky. Yeah. Yep. We don't talk about Kentucky. They may not even make the NIT, so that's pretty nice to see, at least. (laughs) All right, so something you've talked about, to me at least in the past, which I don't think is very well known, is the the home and away effect, um, like, that's separate from the crowd. So the different gyms that you're in, the the ball bounces a little differently on each court. Wake's court, I think, is weird. It feels hollow under it. Um, The goals are a little different with the rims. The balls are different, the basketballs. Uh, can you expand a little bit on, um, you know, even with no crowd, what effect can a, an away game have on your team? Yeah, I think the, my first time sophomore year when I realized we were, we were about playing C State for the first time, and they're in Adidas school. And we were a Nike school, obviously, so we always play with Nike ball. And I remember Manning rolling out, like, five of these, like, plastic Adidas balls <laughs> for us to practice with for the week to prepare for, for State. And – it's because that's the ball that they use. And so obviously we should be preparing to use that ball. And it's just things like that. You, you have three, four days to get used to a ball that they use all season. Mm-hmm. And it, 
is it really a complete advantage? Probably not. It's still a basketball, but it's the, like for shooters, the ball still does feel a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, also, like if you think uh, the first thing I would think about um, with an empty gym is if you go to Syracuse, Syracuse, their gym is already super funky and that's with people in it. So if it's just a complete empty stadium and you're a shooter, uh, there's a ton of space behind the goal. And yeah. that can kind of, those things really can impact just the depth perception uh, of a shot maker. So it's a, it's a ton of things that go on that are all these different variables that we, that you don't really think about or never had to worry about before COVID. And uh, so it's, <laughs> even I think about like uh, on the bench, you look at the guys on the bench and they're all three, four feet apart and they're staggered. And on the bench is when we have conversations about what went wrong or what, what you didn't do right, how to make improvements, but you're all spaced out. So it's a lot of little, a lot of little things that people probably don't really think about that have pretty big consequences on the game. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I've joked with John that there's really not in a way game. Yeah. <laughs> Although I guess it depends on the state that you're going to. There's a little bit, but um, yeah. there are still little things that do affect your play. And definitely for shooters, like a different basketball hurts. Yeah. It's, it's not going to affect you because you're obviously not a shooter, but like <laughs> that, would, that would hurt me for sure. Oh, man. Um, still trying to get me. Still coming after me. <laughs> always, always. Um, <laughs> so these last couple game or this last week, um, Isaiah Musius, who's not a very good three point shooter, went off against UNC. I think he was like seventy yeah. percent on the season and hit was six three, seven three, something like that. Yeah. Similarly, Champagny, who's twenty five percent on the season, went and like I think he was four of seven from three. And it just, to me, so that speaks to, you know, players always play more freely against Duke or UNC, in my opinion. They just play better. Shots they won't make the whole season, they'll make against, <laughs> always make against Duke or UNC. We're at Wake. Did, was preparation different? Like, did, was there a different feel to practice before Duke or UNC game? And during the game, did you always feel that guys were playing better than they were the rest of the season? I, I think the big thing is when you're recruiting for a school like Wake, it's, hey, you, you come to Wake to play ACC basketball and be on big stages in, in front of NBA players, really, or with NBA players. So when you're about to play Duke or UNC, there's a different pep in your step that week of practice. It's, it's more, it's more, it's noise, it's more like it's because these are the games guys come for to be able to play. Cameron to on national TV on ESPN and then show what they're able to do. And I mean, a lot of these guys against the other guys in high school and felt that they were always a star ahead of them or whatever. And so being able to to go out on the, on the court for everybody and just play your absolute best, I think that there there is extra. The basketball guys are a lot of <laughs> sometimes <laughs> with the uh, the teams because that's what they that's what they uh, that's what they came here for. And so that's why they play extra hard, more energy. It's because it's it's Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Duke, it's definitely that's definitely the case mm -hmm. you brought up uh playing the nba players i'm curious when you played against duke and unc who wowed you the most and who were you most excited to see play i think there was a ton of hype around zion obviously um he he didn't he didn't he had, he had a couple threes though out of nowhere I think he think that like those were the the, the first game of the season that he, or conference where that he hit any threes he hit like three against us of course yeah. right but I, I I say this all the time Luke Nard um, he he's not the tallest not the fastest not the 
not the most accurate dude gets it done. Yeah. He's he, he creates his own shots. He's he's like he's, he's smooth with the ball. He's just he's he's a great player. And watching him play, obviously, I hate the game that that, that uh, really uh, solidified in my head, which is when we lost to Duke. But he was just a, a force. Yeah, we couldn't guard him. Uh, I know we had Mitch on him, which I'm about to say that, but we we just couldn't guard him. Yeah, yeah. Mitch was like five nine guarding him. <laughs> Kennard just shot yeah, over. Yeah, and Luke Kennard, yeah, just shot right over him. And but. It, that's over, but Luke Kennard, fantastic player. Who was, uh, Much respect. Who was the most overrated, you thought? When you saw them, you're like, ah, oh, this guy's not nice. Other than Wendell Moore, but you know, you already knew that going in. Oh, dude, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, a visit, so I, I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of, of Moore's game. Uh, mm, I'm trying to think. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Duke or you? Um, I will say, I'm gonna add it. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't. Well, obviously, this is after I left for Cole Anthony. For me, it's, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. He, he kind of gives it away, but that he just that he just obviously because you're a dude fan. He just went out there at the UNC and just like did whatever. I think he was super streaky, out of control a lot. But of course, he had big games and and whatever else to make him just kind of the, the god of UNC. But I know he had a, had a game winner the night in the NBA, so yeah. it doesn't really make me look good for saying that he was overrated, but. <laughs> he was not going to college. I thought you were going to say Trevon Duvall. Just because he was athletic, but he couldn't shoot. Oh, yeah, him too. He, dude, he, his jumper was busted. So, so bad. But he, had, he had a great handle. Great handle to get to the bucket. And he was a, he was a speedster, for sure. Yep, yep. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna end with this last question. Your favorite memory from ACC basketball? Favorite memory is definitely when we beat Louisville. Um, so we, in order to to make the tournament, my sophomore year, we had to I beat Louisville, beat Virginia Tech, and and then beat I think Virginia Tech again, or you know, beat Boston College uh, in the first round of the ACC tournament in order to make the to make it in. And we had uh, Louisville had Donovan Mitchell. And he played, I guess, his, his worst game of his entire college experience against us, mm-hmm. which was great. Um, and we were uh, – gyms packed. We're there. And um, I think we, it was a close game. And then Mitch hits this deep three out of nowhere, late shot clock. And he didn't hit anything it. all game, I thought, if I remember correctly. He had – no, he, he wasn't hitting anything the entire game. Yeah. Nothing. He hits like – he's like five people on the line, just jacks it. We're like, no, on the bench. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it goes in. And that was kind of – like that was what really stamped it in the game because it – and then Louisville didn't come back. Didn't come back. And that was my first time experiencing the court being flooded. And so, obviously, I ran out – we run out there to like congratulate the guys on the court. And next thing I, I look around, is the students have just swarmed the court. And it, for like the first three seconds, it was so cool. Yeah. So cool. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't see, I can't move. It's like burning hot and you just get claustrophobic because there's just people everywhere. And so I'm like throwing elbows and arms <laughs> trying to get out. And all I remember is uh, Sam, big Sam, uh, as Jafet Mathias from London comes over and grabs me because I'm like, <sighs> get me out of here, get me out of here. And so we're literally like trickling to the locker room one by one. And Coach Manning's like sending security out there to get us because like students are picking us up, taking pictures with us and everything and trying to grab us. But we're trying to debrief from the game and get out of there safely. And because people can get hurt and like, that's like a, like a mosh pit. Yeah. And so that was my, my most, that was my favorite ACC experience. Um, it, was, it was great. 
it was cool. It was a really cool thing. And those don't happen very often uh, at Wake basketball, so it was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Funny that the one, the first time Wake beat Duke in a long time was a year after we graduated. Thank God. I didn't have to I see know. I, didn't I have know. To see I know. <laughs> I, I watched that one in my house. I was super excited. I wanted, I wanted to run and throw toilet paper on the quad. But I'm not a student anymore, though. I don't think it would go over as well. <laughs> yeah. For those that don't know, rolling the quad at Wake is after a big win, you TP the TP the quad, throw all the toilet paper over the trees. So yeah. fun tradition. All right, Aaron. Well, thank really you cool tradition, very much. Um, a lot of good insight onto you know how someone that played on an actual basketball team, you know, can talk to COVID and home and away stuff. So thank you for that. Going to throw it back over to talk about Duke in the next segment. Um, Aaron, thank you. Perfect, Tyler. Thanks for the invitation. Enjoy being a guest. Have a great rest of the time, man. Thank you, sir. Okay, for the final segment of the show, I'm going to talk about last week's games and preview the big matchups for next week. Um, Duke, obviously, or Duke obviously lost to Pittsburgh 79-73 to last week and then lost to Louisville 70-67. As I talked about earlier, uh, UNC beat Wake Forest 80 to 73, and then beat NC State 86 to 76. Elsewhere in the ACC, Clemson got smoked by Georgia Tech um, 85 to 65, and then UVA pulled out a very close one and come back against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, my dark horse team. I was hoping they would get a win. Now it seems like UVA is kind of pulling away with the ACC right now, 6-0. and I did not see that coming. But I think it speaks to how the veteran teams are going to play better this season without fans there, with shortened, um, shortened schedules. You don't have a lot of time to gel with new teammates. I think that's really showing in the ACC and why uh, UVA is, is starting to pull away um, it, with the lead. And then in another game, FSU – smacked Clemson 80 to 61. I think it was like 73 to 39 at one point. I don't know what has happened at Clemson, but they have been tanking. They have fallen like a rock. I think they're three and four in conference right now. And with huge losses, they had lost by 20 points last week. And then you lose by 20 to Georgia Tech, 19 to Florida State in a game that was never close. And it seemed like it was going to be a 40 point blowout. So I don't know what's happening to Clemson. They actually have a more senior-led team, too. So that's kind of surprising me, but they are not going to be ranked. I think they're currently 20th, but they're not going to be ranked anytime soon after this week. Um, and then for this next week, Duke plays Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech wins that game, unfortunately. UNC plays Pitt. Shouts out to Coach Capel and uh, Pittsburgh. Hopefully Pitt pulls it off. Um, Duke then plays Clemson on Saturday. On Saturday, you also see Florida State against Georgia Tech. It's going to be a good game. And in-state rivalry with UVA versus Virginia Tech. Hopefully, Virginia Tech gives UVA its first loss. I think they will. Um, it will at least make the ACC season more competitive. So, hopefully, Virginia Tech can pull it off. So, next week, we'll also preview Duke-UNC basketball. Um, the first game coming up in February. We cannot wait. Um, it really will save the season for both fans, even if both the teams go to the NIT. So we'll see. Um, be sure to join us next week. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Spotify um, and listen on 
Apple uh, Apple Pod at Tar Devil Pod. Follow us on Twitter. Tweet your reactions at Tar Devils Pod, and be sure to tune in next week. Thank you.